thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Okay, hey everybody. I want to welcome you all to this episode of Bible News Radio. You know why? Because it's my job. <laughs> and there's the music. Hey, everybody. So <clears throat> here's what we're going to do today on this show, on this episode of Bible News Radio. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to share this out on Periscope, Facebook. It's on Twitter. And everywhere else that I can. So if you're watching the replay, just so you know, you can go ahead Excuse me. And you can also share this out. Hey, you guys. I have a beauty queen on the show today. Yeah, I do. So you guys are going to like go, oh my gosh, look at her. She's so awesomely beautiful. So you know. Yep. But here's the thing. She's also got this very cool spiritual journey that involves Mother Teresa and India. Yeah, she does. So you're going to listen to this awesome testimony for the next half hour. And then after that, we're going to update you about how you guys can uh, help people in Northern California with the fires that took place up there in Paradise, as well as a couple other things. Yeah, we are. So thank you for coming in. And I'm going to take a moment now here, and I'm going to share this out on my Facebook page. Yes, I am. This is Upbeat Music, people. All right. Gonna go ahead and share this out. You know, we get some of the coolest people here in the history of all Periscope. Hey, Stephen, nice to see you over there on uh, Facebook. All right, we're gonna share that out. Hey, by the way, Stephen, I noticed that you're not on my text message list. I'm not sure if that was an accident or if you wanted to still be on it. Because if you do, I still have to. Uh, um, put your phone number back in or you have to resubscribe just so you know okay I kind of think it was an accident uh, speaking of that I have a giveaway everybody wait hold on wait for it wait here it is right here okay Billy Graham an extraordinary journey this DVD is available just so you know and we're gonna be giving one of these away after the show, I'm going to text message my list. So if you're not on my Bible News Radio text message list yet, you need to go to text the term Bible News to 33222, okay? So, Stephen, that's what you'll have to do. You'll have to text the term Bible News to 33222, and then you'll be on my list. And then once you're on the list, text the name Billy, okay? then you'll be entered and after the show I'm going to announce who my winner is on that list so you guys can enter that just so you know all right so but now the rest of this half hour we have an awesome guest on the show okay so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back over here so I can tell you about her just in case you didn't know as you guys know my strong suit is introductions yeah it is Hey, I get a lot of, di- I get, a, I get so many different people on the show. This is my very first beauty queen though. I have to, have to be honest. My very first one, 
uh, and her name is Laura Dawn Mool, and she actually was a beauty queen for Montreal, Canada. You'll notice by her accent when she comes on that she's from Canada, eh? Yeah, she is. <laughs> anyway, she wrote a book called Reflections of India, The Spiritual Journey of a Beauty Queen, and uh, she's my guest this half hour. And you know what, you guys, you're going to love this story. It's kind of one of these stories where a woman of faith steps out in faith and ends up getting totally impacted and just sees what God does. So that's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, so just wanted to let you know that if you came in late, make sure you share this out so that people can watch this because it's going to be super cool. All right. So Laura, Don. Uh, Mool, first time on the show. Thank you for being my guest on Bible News Radio. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for having me. Hey, I'm glad that you're here because I heard about your story and I thought it was super interesting. And so obviously the first thing I want to do is have you tell people where they can go and learn about you more as far as your background and stuff. And thanks for inviting Melanie. I appreciate it. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, and that gives a lot of my uh, background, especially in terms of my profession, uh, you know, where I've worked as a nurse practitioner over the years. But also, I've got a website up now, and it's called weldbooks.ca, so people can refer to my story and the historical background to this book that I've written on that website. They can also order the book through that website as well. Yeah. See? Okay, so go to weldbooks.ca, people. That's where you need to go. And I, it will be up there. Don't worry. Okay, so I need to, okay, I want to learn about you because that's what I do first before we jump into your story. Well, part of your story is, you know, all that. So, okay, so you were uh, Miss Montreal, which is super cool. Um, let me ask you something. I actually was talking to my dad right before I came here. And he's 90, and I was telling him today that I was having Miss Montreal on the show. And he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I told him your name and he never heard of you, which, you know, because he's not from Canada, so he probably would. But tell me a little bit about your your beauty queen journey as far as, you know, how did you get into pageants and stuff? Well, I was a high school student when I began modeling and I really enjoyed it. I loved the uh, energy and the enthusiasm of the crowd and I loved fashion. I loved photography. And uh, so I was very excited about a modeling career. Um, as I got a little older and moved back to Montreal from Vancouver, I uh, entered the world of uh, beauty pageants and uh, my actually the first pageant that I w entered was uh, Miss Montreal 1988. Um, I actually won that pageant and I then placed as a semi-finalist at Miss Canada and uh, so it just sort of happened uh, quickly uh, people told me I should enter the competition um, and being vulnerable and thinking about maybe a better life in the future I wanted to try it out and see what kind of opportunities that brought me yeah very cool so yeah I mean that's that's got to be fun you know I you've done something I will never do <laughs> Uh, my my extent of beauty pageants is watching the movie Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock. That that's about it. That was yeah. a good one. <laughs> yeah, and that's that would be me, her. <laughs> In that movie, I'd be like, uh, yeah, right. This is exactly me gun toting in that. <laughs> if I didn't kill myself, so I'm just I'm curious as far as you know, like your. Like what, like give us a, in, like behind the scenes, like what, what does it take to like be in a pageant? I mean, 
Well, actually, anyone can enter as long as they're between certain ages. I believe it's 18 to 27. Uh, they need to be um, like a citizen of the country they're competing in. And after that, um, a lot of what they're looking for is not only appearance and physical health, but also the ability to answer impromptu questions, having self-confidence in public. So you can do public speaking and address questions uh, people may have of you in the media. Um, you also should be a representative for a cause as well. They also look for talent and uh, poise. There you go. I don't have the poise, but I have the talent. <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, okay, so the, um, okay, so, uh, so you won, right? So what was it like to win? I mean, just, you know. It was so exhilarating. Of course, at that age, uh, it would be. Um, I was, uh, you know, unsure as to whether I would have or I was going to win. Um, when they called my name, I felt a real rush and uh, I felt very loved and appreciated and uh, excited about it. Um, the lady from the prior year crowned me with a beautiful tiara and I got to take that exhilarating walk down the catwalk and uh, wave at the crowds and the photographer snapped away. So it was quite a moment in my life. Yeah. Wow. I can only dream, dream of that. <laughs> Uh, in my mind, I just did it though. It's like, yeah. <laughs> or, did, now, did you get to be in a parade or anything afterwards? Yes, I was involved in a lot of activities afterwards, a lot of social activities. Um, among, you know, the things I was involved in were definitely parades, but also I got to meet um, and visit a lot of people in institutionalized surroundings. So children at the hospital, um, the elderly in long-term care. Um, I got to visit uh, people who suffered from material deprivation. And uh, it kind of gave me a glimpse into another world that really fascinated me. And uh, that is, you know, the joy in giving to others. And I think um, the initial political platform I had uh, seemed to be less intense than than it did afterwards and after that whole reign where my whole heart was more involved in wanting to serve the poorest of the poor. Yeah. Well, and see, I think that that's really cool. Now, clearly, you are a mercy giver, um, obviously, because you're a nurse. But also, I mean, your whole story here, I mean, the reason you're on the show is because of your book that you wrote called Reflections of India, The Spiritual Journey of a Beauty Queen. So, you know, um, it's not, it's, it's my understanding your background was pretty, um, I don't want to say well off, but you know, Affluent, maybe that's a good word. And so how did somebody like you who's so who affluent get interested in like the poorest of the poor? I mean, I know that Mother Teresa was somebody that you wanted to meet. And I definitely want to hear the story because when I read your, your thing, I was like, ah, oh, I want to hear how she did that. But how did you get interested in that? Yeah, I guess when you're in a pageant, you do think more about your purpose in life because you're having to tell so many people about your plans. So that got me thinking about what I wanted to do for the future. And, uh, you know, when I did lose the uh, Miss Canada pageant, um, even though I placed as a semi-finalist, I didn't win it. Um, part of the meaning that I was searching in life had dissipated. I didn't win. I had to find an alternative. And uh 
out of the blue came these um, ideas and dreams of uh, working with Mother Teresa in the dire poverty in which she worked. And to be honest, it caught me off guard because I'd never thought much about her in the past. I had no desire to work in dire poverty. Um, but I think that was sort of a a door that opened into the spiritual realm for me. So a perceived failure became sort of a means to a spiritual promotion. Hmm. Okay. Now, speaking of spiritual stuff, what's your background like from a spiritual perspective? Yes, I um, received Jesus as my personal savior when I was eight years old. Um, I was raised in the church, um, technically a Pentecostal, although I believe in going to non-denominational churches as well and have, have been for many years. Um, but I guess I have the Pentecostal uh, frame of reference, if you if you will. Um, so we do hear a lot about um, the need to show compassion to marginalized populations, people who uh, suffer from poverty, the dying, uh, people in need. I didn't see a lot of it growing up, though, because we did live in a fairly affluent society, as, as many, uh, many people do. And um, this uh, idea of going to a place where the majority of the people in the slums do suffer from from uh, devastating poverty became an attractive thought for me and, and something that I wanted to see. And it was almost afraid of it. And that fear almost drove me to it, ironically. And um, I think for me, having done that really did enhance my spiritual life and my belief in Jesus because I did see him very clearly in those scenarios. Yeah. Now I, I know that, First of all, I got to commend you because honestly, you know, I know that um, poverty for an American or a Canadian or anybody else in a wealthy country, um, you know, it's it's kind of the stereotype of, you know, if you get saved, you're going to end up in Africa, you know, and, and do your missionary work for, for a week, you know, you're, or you're going to go to Mexico or, you know, someplace like that. And then I'll feel good about myself <laughs> and I will have done my, my duty. You, on the other hand, spent a very long time uh, in India in the slums um, and you, you wanted to meet Mother Teresa, which I think is an interesting uh, story. And the reason I say this is because um, the, way, the way this show started was basically kind of like the way you met Mother Teresa. It was all like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you just went ahead and you stepped out and you figured out how to do it. So tell everybody how that happened. Yeah, I just um, was preparing to go to India. And I heard that Mother Teresa was going to be in Washington, D.C., um, kind of going to a service um, that, uh, I guess, um, supported the nuns finalization of their, their vows. And it was going to take place at St. Uh, Matthew's Cathedral in Washington, D.C. And I thought, you know what, I really want to meet her I'm just going to go because I had no contacts and nobody to help me get there. But I just boarded the flight. And uh, when I arrived in Washington, D.C., I called the convent and told the lady that answered the phone my desire to meet Mother Teresa because I was going to be working in Calcutta shortly. And I wanted that inspiration. And she said, you know what? I don't see any problem. Come to the cathedral and speak to one of the sisters in the morning. So 
that next morning I went to the cathedral where the service was taking place and uh, the first person I saw there who seemed to be in charge um, happened to be the daughter of the woman I spoke to on the phone the night before so a, a big irony there and uh, she orchestrated me uh, the opportunity to meet Mother Teresa um, not only at the cathedral but at the gift of peace convent later and then I was invited to spend the rest of the day traveling with her in Washington DC. Wow that's that must have been cool so okay and you were about what 1920 at the time that this took place mm -hmm. okay so so for a 19 year old here you are meeting probably as we all you know we know the catholic church has made um, mother Teresa a saint um you know but at the time obviously she wasn't deemed a saint in the catholic church but um <clears throat> uh, so but here you are all of a sudden it happened right <laughs> What was it like meeting her? I mean, I never got the opportunity. I was actually raised Catholic until I was seven. Um, and then my parents split up, just to kind of give you my background really fast. is, And then I didn't have any church upbringing until I became a Christian in high school at, uh, from because a friend shared Christ with me, and then I became a Christian. But um, uh, what was it like, like meeting her? Yeah, I was so excited. Um, she was a celebrity, of course, and uh, I had that sense of excitement meeting a celebrity. But she was uh, herself very unassuming and had a very humble demeanor. Um, and because I knew her life and all the work she had been involved in, I had a reverence for her as well. So the time we spent together was um, relatively quiet. She didn't speak a lot, but she did give me some practical advice, like you need to wear something cool when you go to India because it's going to be terribly hot there. And uh, she also told me I needed to prepare my heart for what I was going to see. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned that I would see many miracles. And with that, she handed me some medals that she had blessed and told me to wear them when I was there. Wow. I'm going to assume you still have those. I do. <laughs> I should be wearing them more often. <laughs> oh, so that's very cool. Um, okay. So when you eventually ended up in India, uh, in Calcutta in particular, what was it like for you to be there for the very first time? Oh, it was such a difference from the culture I'd left. Um, the poverty was staggering. Uh, you can taste, touch and feel it. Um, very different from seeing images on a television screen or reading about it in a newspaper. Uh, this became my reality. And um, I, you know, I remember a scene where there was a lane about four feet across and I felt almost paralyzed from fear going in there because people seemed to emerge from the walls and the stench of poverty was just overwhelming. And uh, I just kind of saw myself almost as a roving camera, you know, capturing the images and it really really penetrated my heart and um, I realized how different the societies are um, and I think what I did enjoy about that kind of experience though is that because they're so physically close to you um, you feel included in that culture more they give you strong eye contact they come up to you they beg from you and in our culture, sometimes the distance uh, physically uh, can become a distance emotionally, too, where you can feel disconnected from other people at times and even invisible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that struck me when I was reading through your, um, <clears throat> excuse me, through the paperwork that I have. Um, 
what because I've heard this from other people I've I, I mean I know a number of missionaries who've written books about their experiences and it's it's interesting to me how um how you know you can be in one situation and then you get put into another situation and and um I like what you said about being a roving camera. That's very, that's a good word picture because really, um, that's really what it is. I mean, and, but so you, you saw the Lord show up though in, in the midst of that. And so tell us a little bit about like something that, where you saw something like horrible, but something beautiful was also there. Cause I know you talk about that in your book. Yeah, there were several times that this happened, um, and it was very unexpected for me to see beauty in that dire poverty. Um, I remember one scene at Dr. Jack's street clinic where a leprous woman, uh, so somebody suffering with leprosy, had um, most of her feet and hands eroded from the disease, and uh, she couldn't blink really. Um, flies would land inside her eyes and walk around, and she wouldn't sense this this um, intrusion. And uh, it was just amazing to see the the great humility of her though. And uh, I just felt a peace looking at her because uh, she was so humble. She was so grateful for the care she was receiving. Um, she had no agenda. Um, and there was a strong presence of the providers with those patients because there's no, you know, charting to do. There's no quotas to meet. It's just about being present with the person and trying to minister to the need that you perceive. And in many ways, she ministered to our our needs when we we look, and we looked after her. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a great privilege. Um, I remember. I guess another scene that comes to mind was. Uh, I was leaving Nirmal Friday um, one night. That's the uh, home of the dying that Mother Teresa had set up. And uh, it was starting to become dark outside. And as I turned around, I saw Sister Luke, who uh, is the leader of the, the uh, woman's side of, of Nirmal Hardre. And uh, she was walking uh, away from me. And a wind blew through the, the place. And uh, she just became almost angelic looking to me as she walked down the aisle you know beside the bed supporting the dying and I just felt like a glimpse of the eternal realm and seeing that and I just felt so close to God and I think God uses uh, beauty like that and he interjects it into you know normal ordinary or even sometimes ugly circumstances to give us that glimpse of the eternal realm that we're going to see later and uh, how inspiring that really is. And if you can see that beauty in the day to day, how, you know, how that should be inspiring us to do more and more and uh, feeling that holy presence in the work that we do. So something perceived as ugly initially becomes quite sacred. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is I was just thinking about, um, you know, how our cultures tend to put such an emphasis on outer beauty. You know, I mean, thus the beauty contest that you were in. And of course, America's got the beauty contest as well. Um, and yet, you know, sometimes that physical beauty, uh, the heart of that person, and I'm not saying you, but, but I, I know people who are, you know, physically very beautiful, but they're some of the most bitter people around, right? I mean, and so there's that that ugliness or let's say poverty of spirit 
that the physical sometimes has, you know, it's masquerading. I mean, Satan is, you know, supposed to be the, the most beautiful angel ever, but, you know, he's the most evil too, you know. Whereas what you described earlier about about seeing this woman with leprosy being so humble, you know, and that's what the Bible talks about and glorifies. The Bible doesn't glorify the outer beauty at all. It says that we, we can adorn ourselves. That's not a problem. But that the outer shell is going to be wasting away, as we all know, as we get older. <laughs> we turn gray, you know, and all that. But the inner man is being renewed day by day. And I think God is really near to those who are humble and broken and um, and all that. So it's not, it sounds to me like you've actually kind of seen that and how long were you in India for your for your full time that you were there well it was only a month um so June 4th to July 1st I had a lot of engagements to get back to as Miss Montreal um but uh for that age I felt like it was long enough to see what I needed to see there mm-hmm. yeah so hey a month in in a in a poverty-stricken land is a very long time for somebody especially when you, you come back to the place that you were, you know, mm-hmm. so very, very cool. Okay. So I want to remind everybody today, my guest is Laura Don Mool, who was a, a winner in the Montreal beauty pageant many, many years ago, not many years ago. Not, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm just... <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, she's written a book called reflections of India uh, the spiritual journey of a beauty queen. So I have to ask you, okay, so you're talking about your spiritual journey. Uh, where would you say the greatest growth came for you spiritually as a result of this? Well, I guess, um, as I got older and, you know, came back to Canada and started, you know, finished my schooling and started to wonder what profession I should pursue. Um, I I chose theology and then nursing afterwards. Um, And those educational experiences brought more depth to my life um, within that frame of reference of having been to India. And over time, though, I realized that some of the uh, concrete things that I saw in India, like the poverty and seeing beauty in that poverty um, and seeing, you know, how a lot of times we are challenged um, in our lives when I started to grow older and start to face my own real challenges um, and problems in life, I realized that a lot of what I learned in India can be appropriated for my own spiritual life here. And um, just overcoming obstacles, overcoming my own poverty, uh, poverty of spirit, as you mentioned, um, became sort of a really important feature. And uh, when you go through your like, you know, 20s and, and 30s, um, early 30s, you start to question a lot about, you know, why things are the way they are. What am I supposed to do about things that I don't like? Um, where am I headed? What's important? All these questions that haunt younger people. Um, I started to read a lot of theological books. And um, I realized that some of the metaphors um, that I had seen in reality in India became spiritual principles I had to live by later and overcoming adversity is definitely one of the points I talk about in my book. And with all the problems I did face, I talk about how I've overcome many of my obstacles and barriers in life through the principles that God outlines in his word. Very cool. 
Do you mind sharing one of those obstacles you overcame? Um, I think fear was one uh, I talked about it, you know, before this speech uh, at the Miss Montreal pageant where I was going to surrender the crown, um, you know, fear of the audience, fear of how I would come out, how I would sound, uh, fear of the future, um, fear of other people sometimes, you know, what they can do to you. And I think one of those things that I overcame was fear because when you realize that God's in charge, if you're following him, that he orchestrates your life, um, then fear lifts because you're no longer fully responsible for the outcome. And that kind of gives you a liberty that, you know, you don't really have without that. And um, I experienced it sh like very shortly and briefly during that speech I made at the uh, Miss Montreal pageant where I felt something else had taken over and I was just being, you know, being used as a vessel to communicate a message that was higher than what I would have had to say. Um, and later on in life, you know, just feeling like a channel of peace as opposed to being the source of peace myself. Ah, that's very good. The see, now that's a very, very awesomely extreme distinction that you just made there. You know, it's very good. I mean, that really is. That was a light bulb. See, you know, I need to get one of those. I just need to get a light bulb and with one of those lights that you can flicker. Do they even make those where you can turn those on and go? I just had an aha moment, <laughs> but it's true, you know, okay, because, because fear, I mean, let's talk, you know, fear, fear, uh, everybody always says false evidence appearing real. That's what fear means. I changed it to faith every day accomplishes results. Um, because first of all, what you did and what most of us do when we actually decide we're going to step out in faith you you actually faith always has action applied to it right so um but the difference between being a vessel of peace and being the one who's responsible to give peace is huge right because i think the world is looking for well the world is looking for peace and 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 it cracks me up because i I sit in these internet circles with people who are talking about how great they are you know they're the greatest and they're awesome <laughs> And I'm thinking, uh, you might want to just humble yourself and remember that God is greater than you are. He could take you out any minute he wants. And so we need to be, you know, pointing people to the Prince of Peace. And like you said, surrendering and being that vessel that he works through because um, it's not really about us. And I think uh, your experience with, with those who, you know, let me ask you this. Did those that you had a lot of contact with in Calcutta, were they more joyful than, let's say, people in Canada or America that you've seen? It was a different culture altogether. Um, I know there's people who are very happy and joyful here, too. Um, I'm not saying that they're not. I think uh, there was more of a culture of joy in, in Calcutta, though, because people shared things uh, one with the other. There was no territorialism. Um, I worked with pretty much a group of saints that really did reflect God's love for people. And you don't always get that in your work situations in North America. And um, it's just a different experience altogether. And I think I was more joyful. And sometimes when you're more joyful, you believe everyone else is too. But there was a, a tremendous unity there in our purpose. And uh, that brought a, a real, real peace and happiness that I've never experienced anywhere else, actually. Yeah, see, and that's exactly what I thought you were going to say, um, because it seems to be, you know, it 
it just seems to be that's just seems to be the case you know the bible says that um when jesus was um rebuking actually the disciples after the woman decided to anoint him with very costly perfume when they were saying hey you know you could have sold this money sold this and given this money to the poor jesus responded by saying hey you're always going to have the poor with you and so we we are we're always going to have the poverty around us it's 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 just how it is. We live in a sin-sick fallen world, and unfortunately, we have government leaders in uh, many countries that don't provide for their, their country, their, their people. In fact, they do everything they can to make sure that they have the poverty, like in India. So, <clears throat> you know, so when people say, oh, I'm going to stomp out poor poverty, <laughs> good luck, because <laughs> Jesus said you're always going to have the poor with you. Um well, I but, believe too that their presence is going to be used to judge us later. You know, you know whether we've bestowed um, benevolence upon them or whether we haven't. Um, Jesus said that whatever you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done to me, and that's the measuring stick for how we'll be judged um, later. I believe, and that's very important. And I think that's perhaps the reason they will always be here is because they will always be used to judge us. Yeah, which is very sobering, right? Nobody likes to be judged, let alone. And yet, at the same time, then we have the story of Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing. It, it, it actually ties into what you're saying. So there is that, um, you know, Lazarus had it well, you know, when he was on the earth and then he ended up someplace where he shouldn't have been. Or the rich man, rather. Lazarus was a good guy. But the rich man, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Very, very sobering. Well, I'm glad that um, that you, you know, wrote your book. I'm glad that you're on our show to talk about it. And, of course, I want you to share some final thoughts and tell people again where they can get it. Sure. I think um, the message that I want to share with everyone and that you'll find in this book is um, – a means of overcoming your barriers, your obstacles, and how you can live to your fullest potential uh, without the baggage that most of us carry around. And while my struggles are different from many other people's, uh, we're all unique, we all have different issues. Um, I do believe that, uh, you know, getting a very trusted counselor to go through your personal history and looking at family dynamics, early relationships, um, you know, whether faith was uh, a big part, an integral part of the family infrastructure, all of those analyses can bring somebody to a place where they can see, you know, where they are and why they, they are there, like how they got there, uh, what their issues are. And when they start to look inwards and, and start to put things together and heal, then they become, I believe, at a place where they can be used to to serve God in, in the highest potential. And when you start to do that, you start to look outward, you see that other people also need that insight. Many people have been deprived from receiving that insight. They haven't had the opportunities to have counseling, to get help that they needed. And so when you see people in their need, um, even if it's somebody who's very wealthy and, and has a spiritual poverty, or whether you're seeing somebody in physical poverty, um, I think the poverty is still there in a different form. And looking at those people with compassion as the, the hungry Christ in many ways is a, a great way to see them. And uh, that will prompt people to have their, you know, fulfill their highest potential in the spiritual realm and, uh, and gain reward, but also um, helping somebody else 
to maybe get to that place where they can be fully used as well um, is very liberating for the receiver. And I think that's the take home message from the book. Um, my book is available on my website at weldbooks.ca. It's W-E-L-D-B-O-O-K-S.ca. And it's also available as an EPUB on Amazon through eKindle. Um, so if people um, can't get to my website or for any reason uh, want to just use Amazon, the EPUB's available. I have a paperback available on my website as well. So people can just uh, order on my website and I'll have it delivered to their homes. Very cool. All right. So I, I think what you just said is really cool. And I think everybody out there should go get your book if, if, uh, if they're interested in, in learning more, not only about your journey, which I think is really fascinating. I always, I always think God's, how people, how God deals with people is interesting. But also, you know, I, I, as a therapist, I don't know if I told, did I tell you I was a trained therapist? No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, I actually retired from that. Did that for a while. I got my master's in clinical psychology and did marriage and family therapy for a long time. Um, but anyway, here's the thing. You know, you're talking about about dealing and counseling, you know, and talking about family. You know, there's a theory called family systems theory, which I'm trained in, which I love because everything's a system. Whether it's a business, a church, your community, leaders, you know, how it's all set up, the heads and, and the leadership, all that stuff totally impacts everything, but especially in families, right? When you, you begin to look at um, what was passed down from generation to generation, right? You know, and you know, as a Pentecostal, all about that, you know, breaking the curses from the past thing, right? So, <laughs> so it really matters. It really, really does matter. So, and I think you're, I think that's another astute observation that you have there because, um, I know for me, what encouraged me in my own recovery coming from, uh, you know, a background of where my mom was married three times, my dad was married four, you know, I wanted to find out, hey, you know, how do I break that so that when I get married, that's not going to happen. And uh, it was through understanding that pattern and submitting to the Lord and being obedient to him in the midst of a marriage, even when we were going through a separation at the beginning of our marriage. So, I mean, I'm just testifying to the fact that if you do the work, God will bless the work. And next year, Randall and I will be married 27 years. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big deal, right? I mean, it really is. So, um, so that's very cool. Yeah, it, actually, I work as a healthcare provider. I'm a nurse practitioner, and there's so many young people um, who are suffering from mental illness and addictions that I see, and they just feel very uh, lost, unloved, unwanted, unaccepted by society many times. Um, and I think for people who um, maybe even have a spiritual uh, background, um, for them to be able to look inward and um, grow spiritually is important. And uh, if they're struggling with their faith, I think this book is a real inspiration in terms of how to deal with the inconsistencies in this world. Let's face it, there's a lot of deception out there, a lot of self-centered agendas. And if we can keep our faith um, going through, you know, through to the next generation. Um, I think that that's a real testament to the power of faith. And uh, it is being attacked heavily. Now we see from the events around the world, how faith is being attacked of in any form, not just Christianity. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I think that this message is important for people to know about, to internalize that power and to move forward into their destiny uh, because life here is short and uh, the next world is going to be the most important one. And preparing for that has to happen very soon. Amen, sister. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree, man. Just so you know. <laughs> I do. I totally do. All right. So, all right, everybody. So, Laura, Dawn, Mool. Yes, it's like Moo. Mool. Yeah, there you go. Has been our guest. And I want you to go over to her website, uh, which is weldbooks.ca. You go there and you can do that. Or you can go to Amazon or what is it, EPUB? I forgot. E-Kindle. E-Kindle, Yeah. On Amazon, you guys can can read it over there on the Kindle version of the book. Check it out. It would make a great Thanksgiving gift for somebody or a Hanukkah gift or, you know, a Christmas present. Yeah. You know, hey, you got you got time. By the way, Black Friday's coming up, just so you know. So go ahead, get all your money, get prepared to spend it on Laura's book, Laura Dawn's book, to be exact. <laughs> all right. Do you have any other words you want to say before I take my break and and continue on with the show? No, I just uh, feel very blessed for having this chance to speak with you and your audience. And uh, you know what, if anyone has any questions for me, they can use my contact me page on my website and uh, ask any questions they want, or invite me to any speaking engagements that they feel I'd be appropriate to uh, come to. And uh, I really look forward to hearing from people. Very cool. All right. All right, everybody. Well, Laura, thank you for uh, being my guest. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll be in touch with you for sure. You can count on it. Okay. Okay. All right. So everybody, I hope you do take the time to go ahead and um, check out her book and get it because it's going to be super great for you. You're going to be able to read it and uh, be inspired by it. And, you know, it's interesting because I think God uses everybody and I'm getting tangled up here in my headset, but I think God uses various people to reach, you know, like he uses me to reach some of you, but then some of you can go reach somebody else, right? So check it out. You know, I think it's cool. Anyway, um, I want to remind you, um, Bareface, I didn't ask. Can you um, play the Ariel DVD, the promo for that today? Is I can do that. Too? Okay. So before he does that, though, I want to I want to give you guys an update on the on the fire. Um, my friend Jody shared with me a resource that I want you to know about. If you're in California or you know anybody in California, like yesterday, Randall and I shared about um, how Randall's aunt uh, and an uncle lost their home up there in Paradise, California, and and they're they're in their 80s. Okay, I mean that's they're elderly, right? I mean they you know now they have no home, and also his cousin, my our aunt's uh, son. Yeah. And daughter-in-law actually lost their home, too. Um, and they have children, don't they? I'm uh, not living with them, no. No, okay. So, so, but two of our family members personally have lost their homes in Northern California. And then, of course, our friend L.A. Marzulli also lost his house in Southern California due to the fires. Um, so, Jody shared with me a Facebook group, um, which I'm going to link. I will link this on our Facebook page I'll, I'll put it in the comment under the show. That way you guys can go see it. And I'll also try to tweet it out and see what happens. But the Facebook group is called Paradise Fire Adopt-A-Family. 
And this is a public group, so you can actually go into Facebook and you can type in Paradise Fire Adopt a Family and you can ask to join the group. So what they're doing there is they're actually um, taking the people who've been mis who, who, lo no who no longer have homes and some other people in that area are actually adopting a family and letting them come in and live with them. And, um, you know, they're providing things that they need. So um, I personally think this is awesome. Um, I, I think it's an amazing um, act of humanity, generosity um, that's taking place and, um, you know, and all that. I don't think, um, I'm trying to see here. I want to let you know because I don't want to misspeak here. Um, Jody said she doesn't believe GoFundMe pages are allowed. Uh, but if you know of anybody besides the people that we know who've lost, you know, their homes and stuff, you can post pictures, uh, and about them and their story and their need and what it is. And hopefully somebody will adopt them and help them out. Okay. So just remember if it was you that lost your home and you have an opportunity to help somebody, um, you know, you'd want somebody to help you, right? So treat one another as the way you want to be treated. Uh, goes back to that golden rule, right? Okay. Um, all right. Then uh, also Ariel Ministries is our sponsor, as you guys know. And I'm super encouraged by the feedback I'm getting on the fact that you guys are are buying this DVD set. So we're going to go ahead and share with you. First of all, when you go to ariel.org, you can save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News um, anytime on pretty much anything in their website. Okay, so if you don't want to get the DVD set about Israel and take that tour for a couple bucks, then find something else that interests you on the Ariel site and buy the buy it and save 20%. Okay. Um, so, but the thing that we're highlighting this month, cause, um, cause Ariel asked us to, is the historical geographical DVD tour of, um, of Israel, which is normally $29, which is not a lot. Uh, you get, I believe, what is it? Four hours of, um, video and also, um, it's on like what, seven, seven discs, I think it is. So it's the Historical Geographical Study Israel DVD Tour. You learn a lot in this series, you guys. I'm just saying. I actually have it. I've watched a lot of it. And um, you can't beat it. I mean, seriously. So we're going to show you a clip from that. And if that's something that you'd like, then go over to our website. You can actually go to our resources page. Click through on our graphic there that Randall's showing on the screen. And um, Dude. Yeah, he did. He did share on the screen. I'm on the screen now. <laughs> anyway, and um, anyway, just watch it. Okay, so here it is. A trip to Israel is a journey of a lifetime. Yet not all of us have had the opportunity to see with our own eyes the land God promised to the patriarchs. I would like to invite you to join me as we journey to the modern and ancient land of Israel with Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum. The first sight one sees when arriving in Israel today is the Ben Gurion Airport located in the ancient northern Philistine plain. To the west is the modern and bustling metropolis of Tel Aviv, founded in 1909. Israel, like Tel Aviv, is a modern country governed through a republic and parliamentary democracy. 
Unlike its neighbors, Israel is a safe home of Jews, Christians, Muslims, Druze, Circassians, and Samaritans. Israel is an exporter of agricultural goods, minerals, and now natural gas. Of course, tourism is big business in Israel. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arava, in the hill country, and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and in the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. In our journey, we will approach Israel from the perspective of the 12 spies sent out to explore the land ahead of the people of Israel, starting with the plain of Asher, the plain of Sharon, the Philistine plain, the Sfela, Upper Galilee, Lower Galilee, the hill country of Ephraim, Samaria, the hill country of Judah, Judea, Jerusalem, the new city, Jerusalem, the old city, the wilderness of Judah, the Negev, the valley of Ayon, the Hula Valley, the Sea of Galilee, Yam Kinneret, the Jordan Valley, the Dead Sea, the Arava proper and the Red Sea, Bashan, the Golan Heights. Welcome back. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> you didn't give me any countdown. Anyway, so, okay, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd be watching on the screen. Nope. I was trying to find the next story I want to talk about. But also, I want to remind you guys, okay, so that's the DVD set. So get make sure you get that. And then there's also a companion book um, to to it with the same title that you can check out. <laughs> um, don't forget, also, we're giving away the free Bible study. It's called Satanology. If you want to learn everything you want to know about Satan from a biblical perspective, not the, you know, how people think about Satan. Um, if you go to BibleNewsRadio.com, you can click up, click, click on there and you can subscribe to the e email and download it. I think it's like 37 pages or something like that. Uh, and get that. That would be super good for you anyway, just to have it as a resource. All right. Um, earlier today, I shared with you guys, um, I wanted to share with you um, an opportunity uh, that we have also um, with uh, Legal Shield and ID Shield. Um, the more I learn about ID Shield and Legal Shield, the more passionate I am about it, to be honest with you, because it's a product that actually serves your family and it's valuable to have. Um, and I'm very concerned about the rise in identity theft in particular um, because there's a lot of it out there. And I know most people are like, well, you know, I have my credit card and my credit card is protected. 
it may be, but it might not be too, just so you know. Um, so I wanted to tell you about an opportunity um, that, that you have to protect your identity, especially because this time of year, things are happening. And I can't help but wonder about all the fraud that's going to start taking place, all the insurance fraud and various things that's going to happen in California as a result of these fires. I mean, I have no doubt whatsoever that that's going to take place. None whatsoever. So just want to remind you uh, that the side business to Bible News Radio to help us support Bible News Radio is to, you know, offer this protection for your family. That's why my my uh, URL is bit.ly forward slash protect me, all caps. It's all caps, protect me. Um, and I want to encourage you to get signed up for identity theft insurance today. Don't put it off. I'm telling you, don't put it off. I'm just, just saying, don't put it off. Because you will be surprised. And I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom, but I am a realist. I look at this stuff every day. Um, with ID Shield, let me just re refresh your memory in case you don't know. Okay. With ID Shield, you get a lot for $9.95 a month. Uh, it covers about 65 pieces of information that we monitor through the service. You get a mobile app, uh, which is awesome. It's one of my favorite things about it, is that you actually get a mobile app. Um, and it covers all 50 states, and we monitor your credit score. And here's the thing. I just got to say this. A lot of people talk about getting your credit score, get your, you know, Equifax and get all that experience, get all that, you know, a couple times a year, get your, your, uh, your credit report, right? Well, with this, you don't have to worry about it because it's updated on your phone every month, your credit score, you see what it is. Um, we monitor your social security number, your passport, your driver's license number. These are all unique numbers to you and you alone that, your credit card company does not monitor, just so you know. I mean, stuff. Your medical IDs, your your Medicare, medic, you know, anything that you have as far as health insurance is monitored. My dad, I've shared this before, he lives in assisted living. I have him covered on this. Why? Because just because people seem nice and they live in assisted living or work in there doesn't mean that somebody there isn't going to take his info. And here's the thing I want you to remember all identity theft isn't online. The majority of it is still happens offline, which is why it's also very important to shred things like credit card applications that get sent to your house and things like that. Um, we also monitor up to 10 email addresses, which is very important online in particular. And loans, up to 10 credit cards, uh, 10 bank accounts, which you should definitely have your bank account numbers in there being monitored especially since there's so much fraud uh, in banks these days. Um, um, black market website surveillance. Now, this is important because of all the data breaches. When a data breach happens, like this big, huge one that just happened on Facebook that nobody's talking about anymore, by the way. Have you noticed? Did you notice this morning Facebook was down as well? Uh, I know they're doing updates and stuff, but the question is when they were down, is somebody also trying to breach Facebook? You just don't know. They already have. So we monitor all of the black market websites, which is the site and sites that these people who steal your data, they put it on there and they sell it, right? They sell all this info and that eventually they take over, you know, identities and things like that. We also monitor your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, 
and one more, Instagram and Instagram, your social media. I should write that down so I don't forget, but I'm at that age, people. And we also provide ID Shield Vault, which is a password manager, which you should definitely use um, because I actually read an article recently about a guy who's like the number one hacker, right? And this is what he said. Number one hacker hired by the FBI uh, when asked by the interview that I listened to, this was actually a podcast I listened to, they asked, what would you recommend uh, for people to help them protect themselves from identity theft? He said two things. Number one, I, he said a password manager. And the other thing he said is ID, you know, identity theft protection services. And there are people out there who, believe it or not, will say, oh, these services don't work. They're, they're a piece of crap, etc. You don't need it, blah, blah, etc. I've actually heard people say that, but I'm going to tell you something. That's a lie. And I heard it from a guy that was recruited by the FBI who spent time in prison because he was so good at stealing people's identities and stuff. And the thing is, is the service is so affordable, there's really no reason not to get it and protect your family. So here's my challenge, and this is my challenge to you. Challenge, I challenge you to protect your family this Christmas and this holiday season in particular because, first of all, you'll worry less and you'll, you'll have the security that your information is protected because you'll have your phone, you can look right there. And in the event that anything does happen, in the a rare event that anything happens with ID Shield as your monitoring service, we actually offer a $5 million guarantee and Kroll Private Investigators actually take care of the situation for you. Um, all the other um, places out there that do uh, identity theft monitoring, they only offer up to a million dollar guarantee and they don't do anything else for you. So that's why ID Shield is superior in my, in my mind and I, why everybody should have it. So I just want to encourage you to sign up today, go to that website, bit.ly forward slash protect me, invest $10 in yourself a month. That's it, 10 bucks. And then you'll have that security and confidence. If you are married and you have children under 18 years old, you can protect your whole family for $24.95, up to eight kids. So that's that's a steal, honestly. That's barely a buck. If if you have a family of 10, that I mean, that's a couple of bucks. Okay, a couple of bucks a person. But still, it's it's a steal to monitor all your kids as well. And I'm glad that some of you have already done that because now you know that their identities aren't going to be stolen. And last year, over 1 million kids' identities were stolen. So I think Bareface wants to say something. I just wanted to add, you know, a lot of people are thinking that, uh, well, you know, my bank will notify me if there's any unusual activity in my account, things like that, credit cards, you know, they're protected for credit card for whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it may never impact your finances directly people aren't looking for your money they're looking for your identity identity. yep and and they'll go and open credit card counts and other accounts and stuff like that elsewhere and you would never be the wiser to it until one day you go to apply for something they say well no your your debt to credit ratio is outrageous we can't give you this card or whatever and like what and yeah your credit rating is 200 or whatever because you know centers would open all these cards and or, you know, accounts and stuff like that, or maybe committing crimes in your name or something like that. And if you're not if you're not monitoring your credit score, if you're not monitoring uh, government records, uh, that sort of thing, you, you'd never know about it. If you just depend on looking what you already have, you'd never know. And, yeah, the kids, it's crazy how many 
children's identities are stolen, but that makes sense because no one's even going to look into anything in their name until they're, you know, an adult or right. something well, like until, that. Right, well, until they're applying for credit. Right. Well, <clears throat> yeah, and the, you know, the other thing is, too, I mean, just why not for peace of mind? I mean, seriously. Uh, if I had known about it earlier, I could have. I, I read almost weekly, locally. Okay, you hear about you hear about people who are putting these cards in like gas pump readers and they're stealing things just for your credit card. The thing with identity theft is, and I actually like I shared this before, I have a I have an eighty year old man who's the father of one of my other um customers. Um, he got his identity stolen and, and almost lost all of his money. It took him over four months to deal with it. And this guy's in his eighties. He doesn't want to deal with that when he's in his eighties. So, you know. It's a, it's, you know, you pay for life insurance. If you're a homeowner, you have a homeowner's insurance. You're a car owner, you have car insurance. Why not get legal insurance and identity theft protection, honestly? If you're a married person with no children, Legal Shield itself and identity theft protection is basically $35 a month. Now, the service that you get for 35 bucks a month for both Legal Shield and ID Shield is insane because the value of it is amazing. I've already saved, like I was saying earlier today, about $600 just with member perks. And member perks is part of that. That's the thing. That's just a perk. It literally is a perk uh, and all that. But with the Legal Shield itself, it's $24.95 a month and that covers your family, right? So, I mean, I wouldn't be selling it if I didn't believe in the product. And um, I'm just feeling an urgency because of, number one, all the data breaches. And number two, um, it's so affordable. Anybody can afford it. I mean, seriously, anybody can afford it. So um, get in touch with me if you'd like to sign up with us. When you sign up with us, it actually supports our show, Bible News Radio. And, um, you know, and so you're actually kind of sewing back into a show that's already ministering to you. And so... You know, it's kind of like, kind of, we all win, right? So that's what I wanted to say. All right. So tomorrow is the 21st. Yeah, it is. And we have another show coming up tomorrow. And then we're going to take Turkey Day off, Thanksgiving. And I'm not sure about Friday yet if we're going to take it off or not. But after this show, if you're not already on my text message list, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to text out the winner of our Billy Graham Extraordinary Journey DVD. Uh, to see, you know, if anybody wants it or actually they, they want it. <laughs> I'm going to text the winner. Yeah, I am to my list. So if you're not on it yet, text, text the term Bible news, three, three, two, two, two. I'm going to be doing other giveaways in the future. And then I do have three of these available for $10 as well. So if you don't win it and you want to be one of the one people that gets, uh, gets one of these for $10, then you can also donate to our show that, and I'll send it to you in the mail with, a. Uh, free shipping. All right. So, uh, there you have it. So that's it people. I hope you enjoyed the show with my guest, Montreal's beauty queen. And I hope that you have a good rest of your night and that you stay safe and warm wherever you're at. Okay. So I always end the show by saying this, be bold, stand up and go with God people. Cause he loves you. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>